From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and reading recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week we're talking a ghost book that's actually folk horror. I just want to get those question marks on there. Um, a goth, <laughs> yeah, it's important. A goth superhero, a weird tale about memory, and another nasty folk horror? Two, two double <laughs> question marks in this description, guys. There's a lot of question marks. So many questions. So marks. many questions. <laughs> Um, I do want to hear about this book, though. I would love to hear it. What is it? Tell me. So I don't remember how I found out about this one. I think maybe Stephen King had tweeted about it or something. He has like a blurb on it. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's how I found it. I don't I'm not 100% sure because I've never read this author before. Although I think he's relatively known in the horror sphere. It's Road of Bones, the latest book by Christopher Golden. Nope. Does that name ring a bell? Nope. No. So it is um, a supernatural ghost-ish story set in Siberia where a small film crew is covering um, a ghost story about the Kolyma Highway, which is the road built on top of the bones of prisoners from Stalin's Gulag. 
So it's a real historical place up in Siberia. This is long stretch of road where they had these gulags and, um, uh, under Stalin, there were like 80 gulags were built along the route to supply the USSR and hundreds of thousands of prisoners died in the midst of their labor. Siberia is one of the coldest places on the earth and they died and their bodies were buried where they fell and were plowed under the permafrost. So the bodies are still under this road that has been built since this happened. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Thank you. No, horrible. <laughs> um, and so the story follows um, this filmmaker named Teague, who is a documentary producer, and he um, makes like stuff for Nat Geo and Discovery and all that kind of stuff. And he always, he's like, he loves to make the kind of spooky, the spooky stuff, um, mostly because his his sister died when he was young. Of course. She, she was like kidnapped and murdered. Of course. By a serial killer. Of course. Or something. It doesn't really feature in that much, but um, a little bit of but color. he is a little like bit of a splash trauma back in the back in the background. Just a, just a splash. Oh. Yeah. So like he he's trying to like find some evidence of the supernatural to I guess maybe I I, I don't know. It's not that part is is the weakest part of the book. But he and his his best friend who also finances a lot of his stuff and tends to fail lose that his stuff is either like really hit or really miss. And so he owes a lot of people a lot of money and he's like, this sounds like a great story for, for a, a documentary brings his best friend along who is helping pay for it. Um, gets this, uh, translator and they're on their way up the road. And eventually they arrive in this, um, this town and it's empty. Uh, it's completely like the doors are wide open. People have just like left and there's this nine-year-old girl, and she's the only one there. And then all of a sudden, like, ghostly wolves start, like, descending upon them. And there's this shaman that they call the Parne. And I, I don't know how to spell it because I'm listening to this book, so I'm not 100% sure to, how to spell uh, that creature's name. So I couldn't, like, look it up and figure out what is going on with, with if this is, like, a real, um, you know, folkloric belief or not. But... They basically, it's basically a chase, chase story where they're being chased by these wolves that are supernaturally keeping up with them as they try to escape this, this town and escape the road of bones. Holy shit. Yeah. It's paced really well. Like it just is like, I, I'm reading this and I'm like, I could see this be a movie. Uh, because it's just, it has, it's very cinematic. It's like a bomb ass found footage movie. And well, and, and I was kind of excited about that. Although like the, the, the filming aspect of it drops like almost immediately because they're literally like, oh shit. And on the run, Fair. but like, I could see them, I could see them turn this into kind of a found footage and that'd be kind of interesting, but it's like, it is literally like a chase film where they're trying to keep ahead of these wolves that are chasing them from this town for some bizarre reason that is eventually... Right, did you finish it? Um, I am like 20 minutes from the oh, end. I okay. had to like, I wanted to sit out in my car and listen to it in the parking lot. But I just, uh, yeah, I'm about 20 minutes. I'm 20 minutes from the end. Uh, but like, it's good. Fuck yeah. That sounds good as hell. It's pretty intense. Cool. And it's, I, it's, it's paced pretty, pretty damn well. Fuck yeah. And it's, it's surprisingly vicious. Cool. Like it's not afraid of maiming and killing people. Sweet. Love that. So yeah, Road of Bones by Christopher Golden. Ooh. I I think I recommend it. Say. And I want them to make a movie of it. That's all it's something they'd make a movie out of like pretty quickly. Yeah, it it easy. I mean it just makes itself, I think. The only thing is that there's a lot of like 
the supernatural wolves and eventually there's like antler men. There's this really crazy scene in the car where something happens and they're trapped in this car with something. And while they're like racing down the Kalima highway on the snow, going 85 miles an hour through like snowy permafrost. And it's like, there's some really, Sorry, you were, really cool you things. You were saying that and Misa started licking my hand and I was just like, this oh, is very no. weird. Very weird combination of things happening to me at this current moment. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fucking incredible. I'm gonna have to to read that. Yeah, and if you, and audiobook fans, the narrator is really good. He is really good. I, I um, want to try. I'm more, usually hit or miss with him. I want to try more audiobooks. Do you, are you Audible? Do you just use Audible? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Because I feel like it's it's like fourteen ninety nine a month. Boy, this is not a this is not a sponsor commercial, but it's like fourteen ninety nine a month, and you get a credit a month. So like regular audiobook is usually somewhere between fifteen and thirty, depending on the author. So yeah, I think it's a good deal. I like it. Cool. Um, okay, so before we do talk about the goth superhero, let's. I want to hear about this weird tale about memory. Sorry, Steve was just like beatboxing to himself. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what is I wish we could get that on. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but I think it's because he's, play, he's playing Elden Ring. I think he's doing something to the TV mm. about Elden Ring. Um, but this. So if we start to hear, fuck, I'm we'll know what's yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least that's what I do. Oh, oh, constantly. It's hilarious. I did get summoned into the room the other day when he found the the, the turtle pope, so that was very exciting. The turtle, turtle pope. pope. Yeah, playing that game is a bunch of like me going, "Oh no," because <laughs> I'm finding something horrific or going, "Fuck me," or some some. What Steve? You know. When I before I came in here, Steve like found these two guys, like these giant men with like sword hands on wheels that look kind of. Oh, and yeah. So he was like, "Oh no, this is bad." And then he also found fire slugs, and I was very excited about the fire slugs. Ooh. Um. Anyway, fire slugs are cool. Um. This movie was a weird movie about memory. Um. I watched yes. the movie Ultrasound, that is out. Oh. I believe this week. Um. It's directed by Rob Schroeder, and this is his feature film debut. And I. This one, like, goes on my radar a little bit, and then someone, um, mm-hmm. I was, I got asked to review it, and so I watched it last night, and it's like eternal sunshine for the spotless mind, but with a weird conspiracy theory spin to it about trauma, and it's oh. quite interesting. I think it's a little too slow at parts. It's, it's like very it's got that mm-hmm. very like cute slow vibe of like trying to make these like very big statements about like people and relationships and it's pretty successful there's just a couple parts to it that feel like they were trying a little bit too hard to crimp on the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind vibe okay just in terms of like certain characters having certain kinds of relationships but regardless it all beca- comes together into this like very weird story that it starts off very asynchronous and you're like who the fuck is that who is this why is this happening and then it all like comes together into a really bizarre puzzle like into this really weird scenario that is like not realistic it's like the kind of sci-fi where it almost feels like it's it could happen right now so it's very cool lo-fi okay. sci-fi and the more I think about it, the more I really enjoyed it. I think it is very much in that vein of like the Michelle Gondry kind of key, like more in mm. sci-fi, but it's really quite interesting. And 
I I really enjoyed it. Brita Wool is in it. Yes. Yes. I love her. She was in Mr. Mercedes and Unreal and Mass. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's very hard to describe the plot of this movie because like what you what it starts off as is not even remotely what it becomes. Because it starts <laughs> gotcha. off with a guy coming in like coming in someone's house after he has a car accident. And then the guy, it's like a husband and wife, and the husband is like an old dude. The wife is a younger woman, and they have this very weird, ten- intensely uncomfortable conversation. And then the guy who came into the house from the car accident and the wife end up having sex. And then it, it you're like, what the fuck is this? And then it changes setting and characters completely for a hot sec. It's, it's just like one of those wild experiences where you kind of just have to buckle in okay. and get ready to know nothing for the first half. And then kind of have it come together finally. It's a very much like go along for the ride kind of movie. Like trust the mm-hmm. process. Like you're confused now, <laughs> but you're meant to be confused. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen one of those in a while. So it was actually kind of fun. So cool. if you're like into that kind of cu- low, not cute. I keep saying cute, but like lo-fi emotional kind of films. I think this one, you should definitely get, check this one out. I believe it is out on VOD this, uh, on Friday, but let me triple check. And then, um, Vince from one of the, like one of the shitty guys from Mad Men's in it too. Yeah. Vincent Carthaser. Yes. I don't know his last name. Carthaser. Fancy last name. Yes. Yeah. Ultrasound is on VOD as of the publication of this episode. So, yeah. I recommend checking it out. It's a, it's, it's, it is low. It's like conspiracy, low stakes weirdness that I had a good time with. And it fucks with your head. Sweet. And it fucks with your head about the concept of memory and what people can make you think actually happened in your life and the construction of memory. It's, it fucked me up oh. a little bit in terms of like what people can convince you of um, was real and what's not. And that was, it's, that'll fuck with your head a little bit. So be prepared. Sweet. Yeah. But uh, we both saw a little something-something. Hmm. Uh, we saw something called The Batman, directed by Matt Just Reeves. this little indie. Little indie. Indie little film. Indie, little, little indie feature called The Batman. Barely opened. I don't think anyone no. knows about no. it. Uh, starring this brand new guy on the scene, Robert Pattinson, as mm. the titular Batman. What did the you titular th- goth boy. <laughs> the titular goth boy. Terry, what did you think of Villeneuve's Batman movie? And also, what is your relationship like with Batman? Are you a Batman person? Do you care about Batman? Kind of like, yeah. What's the vibe? I, okay, I love Batman. Okay, um, me too. I fucking love Batman. I love him so much. Uh, I have loved him ever since... Um, I mean, I I I was familiar with the comics. I was familiar with the with the TV show, the like 60s, 60s TV show, because my dad would talk about it. But it wasn't until like Tim Burton's Batman that uh-huh. he became like a fixture in my life. Okay, grew up on the animated series, had those toys, had that animated series Batmobile, oh, loved it, loved series. all of it. So good, so good. Lost a little bit of interest in the late '90s when they went a little too camp, but I'm I'm curious to like reappraise them now that like I appreciate camp instead of being like a moody teenager watching these going. This isn't Tim Burton, man. Like I'm wondering if like my gay camp sensibilities will appreciate what um, Schumacher yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Int- <laughs> There's me Sue. <laughs> 
Nisa has thoughts. Hey. Like, Tag me in, boss. Babes, the door is... Babes, the door is open. Like, I cracked it so this wouldn't happen. <laughs> she just wanted me to pet her. Playing Elden Ring. What are you doing? <laughs> hey. Come on. I got out of this shit. There's no pause button. <laughs> I know that's right. There's no fucking pause button. Playing Elden Hilarious. Ring. What the fuck? Thank you for your sacrifice. Um, <laughs> and then I was, then I got renewed interest with Christopher Nolan. I still, I, I know that like it goes through a cycle of people being like, yeah, those movies are great. And, oh, those movies are too edgelord or whatever. But I love those movies. And then lost interest with Zack Snyder. Similar here. Um, oh, yeah. So sorry. Um, Bat- I did. I've actually read a lot of Batman comics, though. Batman's my favorite because Batman is a, just like a dude. Like, I never really got into Marvel or Superman. I don't know why. I just wasn't as into, like, that kind of stuff. But with Batman, I feel like because – and also, like, his comics were always kind of grimier and more horror-y mm-hmm. and creepier. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. Like, I liked the, the setting of Gotham a lot more than a lot of the other comic books. Like, they were usually dark and weird and, like, had serial killers as, like, the – it's like weird spooky kid shit. Um but I loved... And this movie leans into oh, that. Oh, and I want to talk about that because I was very excited because this movie does lean into a lot of those, like, The Long Halloween and Hush, like, those ki- those graphic novels that are, like, these one-off, kind of scarier, creepier, good like, Gotham stories. Because I lo- I, lo- I liked the I liked the Nolan Batman. Like, I saw them all at midnight. Like, I was, the- I was standing in line when that was still a thing. And, like, I love the Tim Burton one. I love the animated series. I just think Batman is, like, the coolest guy. Like, his- again, he's a rich mm-hmm. guy who, like, is sad. And that's my, that's my type. Um, <laughs> so he's always my favorite. And so with this one, I was like, but th- I did not, I did not really care. Zack Snyder's bat. Like, I'm sorry, Ben Affleck. It didn't work. It just it didn't work for me. It didn't, and I I didn't mm-hmm. like it at all. And I was very skeptical. Martha. Ugh, God. Like, <laughs> and so I was skeptical of this one. I will admit it. I was like, mm. oh, Are you fucking kidding me? Like another fucking Batman? This might be my favorite Batman. Like my favorite contemporary of like the last like decade or so Batman. I think this might be my favorite. You know, I was skeptical about that three-hour runtime, girl. I'm still, I'm still a little skeptical. Of the uh, it could have been thirty minutes or more it shorter. Been... Let's be real. No, I oh, one hundred percent. There were some shots where I was like, "Babes, I know you're trying to be artsy, but like, it's not the moment. It's not the moment. Like, let's cut out the long tracking shot of him walking. Like, we gotta get, we gotta go, we gotta go." <laughs> But I, I, I'm not mad at you saying that because I, I, I agree. I think this. Um, okay, listen. Batman Returns is the best Batman movie. I'm sorry, hands down. Batman Returns is my favorite Batman movie. Help! Why am I forgetting what this is? Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman. Yes, I'm so sorry. I get them all mixed. Danny DeVito, Penguin. I get them all mixed up of like which one is which in terms of like the which villains are in which. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That one is my favorite. It still remains my favorite. Even after this movie, it remains my favorite. However, I do think that of, like, the as you said, contemporary ones, this one probably is edging out The Dark Knight, which I still, I know, whatever, I still think is a fantastic movie. Dark Knight movie. is a fantastic I think- movie. Like, I, whatever, like, I don't, whatever the fuck everyone says, it's a well-made fucking superhero movie, and I really enjoy mm-hmm. it. Like, 
So, but I think this one takes elements of that in terms of like grounding it, making it very realistic, making it, uh, but having like that element of horror fantasy aspect because let's be honest uh, as much as they want to try to say that you know riddler is pulling from like um the zodiac killer or whatnot i mean he is his own creation that is definitely superhero oh villain 100 percent. you know what i mean oh and that was what again like just like in the same way that that the joker is yeah just the same way that the joker was in in the dark knight well exactly and i i feel like what i liked a lot about this movie too was that i think I was telling Steve that it kind of sits in the middle between Nolan and Burton. That it's not trying mm, to be mm-hmm. super campy and comic booky, but it's also not trying to be super self serious and make it feel like this isn't a comic book. Like this is a serious, th- like much more serious thing. It exists in this happy middle ground where, like, it takes, like you said, borrows from those two and creates this like neo noir weirdness that. Oh, the noir, the noir of it. Yeah, like it's so, like this weird neo-noir thing that knows it's a comic book, but also doesn't want to go full comic book. And I love that it kind of sits in this area really well, because you have like, (laughs) you have the Riddler with the, like, despite him looking kind of like the Zodiac, he has duct tape and he giggles on the internet. Like he, he is very much like a comic book villain pulled from like the Zodiac inspiration. You have the thumb drive pun that is the, like, like the. Oh my god. Like these moments of comedy that don't take you out of it necessarily, but like they remind you that you are in like a very cartoonish world without it needing to be over the top. And I think that's really clever and how they kind of signal that throughout. I love Robert Pattinson as Batman because he plays Batman as this brooding little baby who's like just very (laughs) sad and like only wears black t-shirts and sweatpants and has to wear sunglasses when it's like laid outside because his eyes hurt. And it's like the most cartoonish. It is such a cartoonish Batman in the be- in the best way. And I love it so much because it works. Like I want my Batman like a little baby bitch. I don't want, I don't want Playboy Bruce Wayne right now. I had that. We had Playboy Bruce Wayne. I respect Playboy Bruce Wayne, but I also want little emo 30 year old bruce wayne who's just real depressed and is not on any medication and he's using his money to buy motorcycles and suits it's incredible i would date this guy it's really embarrassing (laughs) i could fix him i could fix him Two things that popped in my head as you were talking. The first is that talking about when I was watching this movie and Robert Pattinson shows up in Bruce Wayne, which, by the way, for a movie called The Batman, kudos for actually making him be like 90% Batman and maybe 10% Bruce Wayne. Love that. But when he shows up and his without the Batman stuff, all I could think of was like, Dear diary, mood, apathetic, my life is spiraling downward. You know, <laughs> like the emo kid song. I'm an I, that is me when I started like. I'm a can be. You'd be an conformist too if you look just like me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That is immediately what I was like when he, when, I, when he shows him and he still has the smudges on. I'm like, oh my god, this is what emo kid is totally about. The other thing I, I had that was that kind of made me it's a personal giggle is that anytime a movie like embraces noir, I always want to shout, it goes straight to the top because like that is how the mystery goes in, in noir. It's like it starts off with this small little thing and it goes, no, the conspiracy goes straight to the top. And so I wanted to shout that because there's a part where he's like, this is bigger than you ever can imagine. And I'm like, yes, noir, it's, it goes to the top. It's the best, especially at the beginning where he had, like, fucking Batman has, like, Gotham. 
it's a shit stain. (laughs) (laughs) I was drinking my hard uh, Mountain Dew at that point, so thank you for that. I take notes in my journal every day. This oh my is god. So incredibly like Rorschach from Watchmen and like oh. I love it because they know what they're doing with it and it's they so do. good. Yeah. And I love that. Like I Steve and I saw this when we were on our like our little vac- like, weekend vacation mm. and we looked at each other like 5 minutes and we're like this fucks. Like this movie's fucking good. Yeah. And it was great. I was so happy. Like nothing nothing makes me happier than a movie proving my dumb ass wrong. Please tell. Please be better than I expect. Mm. I love it. Kick my ass because that means I had a great time. <laughs> Same, yeah. And again, love the horror aspects of it. Love the, the the from the very beginning when like the the mayor is walking in his room and then all of a sudden he appears like uh, Riddler appears behind him. I'm like, give me this horror aspect. I love this. This is what I want more of in. In uh, my Batman stuff, it brings me back again to the Tim Burton stuff that that took like humor and took gothic uh, architecture and married it with some elements of horror. Like the Penguin in, in the original one in Batman Returns is horror. Like it is all about that yes. horror aspect. And I feel like that's kind of been missing as the the series progressed. And I love that this one brought that back for sure. Well, and like they almost had it with Scarecrow because I love mm. Scarecrow. Um, mm-hmm. in Batman uh, oh, Batman Begins, Begins. yeah. That's but true. But they didn't lead into it as much as I wish they had. Because I remember yeah. being disappointed that it wasn't as scary. But um, I agree, because at the, be- the fucking beginning of Batman starts off like Halloween. You are seeing through the eyes of the killer who is mm-hmm. observing his prey. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's so many things like that that are adopted throughout this movie in terms of those horror aesthetics, the way they use shadow to have either riddler or batman like coming out of the shadow really slowly in a really cool way like you don't your eyes are adjusting and you see him and like incredible use of like playing with darkness and monster Mm -hmm. like the way you think of a monster appearing um and then of course like we've seen a lot of these comparisons but it's like a david fincher movie it's like seven it's seven in the batman world which i really wanted to go watch i'm sorry Oh, no, you get to see Batman as a detective, really. Mm-hmm. Because we don't really see, you know what I mean? Like, we usually see him using cool tools and, like, beating up bad guys. But here, like, he was actually solving crimes. Like, you said, like, I want, like, I think you're going to say, I wanted to watch Seven after this. Because, mm-hmm. like, it feels like it. And that's what Riddler feels like. He feels like John Doe. Yeah. Love so, that. Really like, enjoyed it. Jigsaw trap, jigsaw traps on people's oh. heads. Like, it was... It was creepy. Like, it was a genuinely creepy, like, borderline disturbing movie at parts, which is why when there was, like, a little kid in the movie theater where I saw it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is not for children. But, yeah. Come back in 10 years, kid. We'll have you on Scarred for Life. <laughs> My mom took me to see the Batman. But, yeah, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. I did, too. Very much so. Hell, yeah. Good job, Matt Reeves. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this movie that is in the Folk Horror Collection, is on the Folk Horror Collection on Shudder, and let's discuss whether we think this is Folk Horror. What did we watch, Mary Beth? So we watched Clear Cut, which is a 1991 film directed by, how do you say this guy's name? Richard Bugoski? 
I believe he's he's a Polish director. I think it's Richard Bujaski. Bujaski. I'm so sorry. I yeah. apologize. Polish is incredibly hard. But 1991 film he directed about a lawyer who is trying to protect Native American land from being clear cut, which is basically all the trees cut down where they are cutting down to make a, a new mill. And this lawyer is trying to protect the land. He fails, and then a um an indigenous militant, as described here. Basically kidnaps him and another logging millman and a logging mill manager and basically like tortures them to prove to them why they what they're doing is bad and getting them to stop what they're doing. It's fucked. It's uh it's a nasty little film, I have to say. It's a um, lot. I I will like straight out say I'm not entirely sure why it's in folk horror. Like I think I can kind of see why, but I don't. I don't think that it like the the reasoning that I'm thinking of doesn't make a lot of sense because on like this is not a supernatural movie. This is someone who is basically referencing his history and like his ancestors' history as like reference points for the way he tortures or treats these guys. But there isn't anything supernatural, so I think there's something interesting to be grounded in. Like it's an indigenous like kind of horror. Maybe, but it's not really folk horror in the way that we think touch think about it. I guess. Yes, uh, there were parts of me that kind of wonder because because uh, the 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 indigenous uh, activist slash as INB calls militant um, activist played by Graham Greene brings a very chaotic energy to the role. He's like he's like walking chaos where you don't quite know if what he's saying is real. Or if it, it's it's fake, you don't know if he's like going to really just go there. He's someone that you'll wake up and he is just, as he says, debarking someone's leg by skinning his leg. Um, I feel like there are there are moments in this where I almost thought he was like a personification of the the woods' anger of being like okay killed, and I'm wondering if that might be kind of where maybe the full core aspect is. I don't necessarily think that he is because everyone. There's a point in this where I actually thought that, like, um, by the end of it, he would be revealed to have not existed at all. But people have seen him in this movie. Like, he is – people recognize that he is there. Because I honestly thought that he was, like, by the end of it, it was going to be that the people thought that this – the the white lawyer was the one that did it all because he didn't exist. That's how I thought this movie was going to end. It doesn't quite do that, although it does a little bit in a way because he does get arrested by the end of the movie. But I just I, – I wonder – there's part of me that kind of thinks that maybe there's that hint that uh, Graham Greene's character, Arthur, is like a nature's vengeance in a way that is in line with what full core – some full core has done where it's like people trying to civilize nature. Nature says fuck you and fights back in a way. Okay. All right. If that makes sense. No, that does make sense. It's definitely not like a lot of folklore that we've seen so far, though. Yeah, definitely. It's like much more grounded in like realism in terms of it's about very real issues of white people stealing indigenous land for their own purposes and not understanding the effects of that. And Arthur is basically this figure who exists to be like, you think you're helping, but you're not. Like this, the he kidnaps a, the the logging mill manager who's basically tearing down the trees to make room for this mill which by the way i shouted when i was watching this that's colonel saul tyke he's from battlestar galactica the the oh. 
great the miniseries. And my other thought was like, has he always been old? Because this was from 1991, and he was he looks he first of all he looks older in this than he does in Bowstar Galactic from 2004. But like I, that is my immediate thought was like, I know you. You're from Battlestar Galactica because I'm a giant nerd. Carry on. Incredible. Thank you. Um, <laughs> kidnaps him and the lawyer. Kidnaps, get yeah, kidnaps him of. and the lawyer, and like, he sort of, when he's talking, he is constantly like trying to educate, which I think, like, threateningly educate mm. in a way that I think I, I was grappling a lot with this movie because it has a lot to do with like a very angry indigenous person causing inflicting a lot of violence on people. And, you know, you hear that and it's not directed by an, an indigenous person. So, yeah. you know, it kind of like raises a lot of questions about portraying this kind of anger in this way. But the more I watched it, I think there's still issues with it. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's trying to say that like, there's even like explicitly moments where like, well, when you're treated so violently and so aggressively and punished for who you are for so long, that's how you learn to fight back is with that same level of cruelty in terms of like, he's always talking like, oh yeah, like um, white people would cut off Native American women's breasts and throw them around like basketballs, like as he's kind of performing this torture. And he's like constantly trying to be a voice for, it's so it's so interesting because like I feel like he's constantly trying to like alert these guys of what horrible things have happened and like why things are happening while he is doing those horrible things as like a means to kind of show that showcase and justify this kind of rage and see it not just as evil but as an unfortunate kind of like chain of events that happens when you perform these kind of atrocities like co- colonial atrocities on an entire fucking race of human beings. Fucked up. <laughs> it's, it's fucked up. It's very fucked up. I, you know, I was thinking. So there's there's the there's two lines of dialogue in this movie movie where the white lawyer is telling the indigenous man violence will accomplish nothing, and Arthur responds, "Now, just who are you lying to?" And I, I think that that kind of cuts to the heart of what this movie might be exploring, where it's like you have a white person telling this person of color saying, don't do that. That is bad. And it's like, excuse me, do you not see what you're doing as the same thing? And so there's that kind of, I thought that that was kind of the most interesting aspect of this movie for me was that dialogue. And I feel I, cause I, I was wondering, I was like, is this movie vilifying Arthur? And I don't necessarily, I didn't see it that way. So neither did I. And I'm I, cause I didn't either because spoilers at the end, it's, he isn't like, he isn't killed by anybody. He actually kills himself, mm-hmm. which I think is a huge point. It's not – he isn't, you know, killed by a cop or, like, a white guy doesn't kill him to get revenge. Like, he willingly takes his own life in a way that I think illustrates how they're trying not to make him the bad guy. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, in mm-hmm. having that kind of death for him and having it be on his own – by his own hands – it feels less like he was someone who needed to be punished and more like he was going through his own arc of revenge and vengeance. And this is how it was naturally going to end for him. Like, cause he's so at peace with it. And again, shows this like horrible cycle that colonial shit leads to with mm-hmm. him. And like, I was glad because I think, you know, watching this at the beginning, you're like, oh boy, he's going to be like a crazy, like Indian dude. Right. And they're all going to make him like the bad guy. But 
I think it really does make everybody the bad guy. Violence begets violence is kind of, I think, the... Violence begets violence. Like, no matter what you think, how good your intentions are, like, if you're not part of this community, you don't really know what you're doing. Like, with the white lawyer. Um, And, like, what also is really depressing is how this was in 1991 and I didn't know about this stuff. And, like, this, this shit's been happening. This isn't, like, a new thing that people are trying to protect their lands and trying to prevent climate the climate crisis like this has been going on forever like people indigenous people have been fighting for their land for so long and have been in these can like have been living in these conditions for centuries so like it's fucked yeah and like i am very much the kind of person watching these movies it's like i can't fucking blame that guy for wanting to like to skin that guy's leg like yeah i get it like violence isn't the answer but i can't fucking be mad at somebody for like after shouldering centuries of trauma, like trying to find a way to get justice in some, like some semblance of justice for these like centuries of trauma. Like, I think it's an interesting movie that looks at that as someone trying to like somehow address all of the pain and can only do it in such a small way. Like it's, Oh God. Yeah. Oh my God. It's very rough in spots though. It's just fucked. It's just fucked. And you watch him, like, cauterize a wound and really just tear the skin off of a man's leg. Yeah. I wish Graham Greene had more leads, though. Like, more leading roles, because he was fucking incredible in he, this movie. He bring, brought so much charisma to this to this role. He just, like, he was electrifying every, every moment he was on screen. I uh, loved him in this. Like, why is he not... Again, just this made me even more upset that he's always, like, this... Like nowadays, like the elder indigenous person who like has two cent like two seconds on screen when it's like this is a person who like is a fucking actor. Like you mean sort of like stop. in Antlers where he that's gives, literally like, exactly what I'm referencing is he's in it for two seconds to explain to the white people to the what's white going people on. what's going on and then vanishes into the mist. Yeah, and like this, like Jesus Christ, like how did this? I don't know. I I know why racism, but like. He's incredible, and, like, he should be cast as, like, a leading guy, regardless of if they need to be an indigenous, like, character. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like he got pigeonholed, unfortunately. Yeah. But he's really good. Like, he's fucking good. He really is. Yeah. So did you like the movie? I did. I did. It was not what I was expecting at <laughs> Me all. Either. Because I didn't... I, I, yeah, but I'm glad I watched it. Um, I... Th- I'm glad I watched it because I think it's also an important piece of like indigenous filmmaking, not like filmmaking, but like kind of looking at how those issues are represented on screen mm-hmm. in different ways. Cause I feel like we don't see that a lot as often. So yeah. I think it's much more calm, especially from 1991, a much more complex kind of look at those issues in a way that I don't think we were getting. I agree. Yeah. Why was he not? Of course, he was in fucking Twilight New Moon. I forgot that he was in that. I think he's the. I think he's the grandpa in the fucking wheelchair. God damn it. Anyway, <laughs> um. So Terry, what are we uh talking about next week on uh, next week's little cuts? Um. So next week we are taking a very brief break from um full core because we are both watching. A number of movies from South by Southwest this weekend. So we will be back next week with a full rundown of um, what we've seen so far. I'm looking forward Super to excited. it. Super excited. I cannot believe South by Southwest is here. Holy shit. What's happening? I'm excited ah. for the uh, the found footage Evil Dead-ish movie Deadstream, I think oh, it's called. Oh, yeah. Deadstream. Yeah, I'm 
very stoked for that one. And I'm actually going to be on the ground at the Unnamed Footage Festival in San Francisco, guys. If anyone is in the area and is going, um, I'll be there. So come watch on footage with me and come chat with me and get yeah. a beer if you're around. Um, okay. <laughs> but who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? Um, on Monday, we are chatting with Brother Ghoulish himself, Ryan Kinney. Mm-hmm. And we are chatting Tales from the Hood. A great, great movie. It's so Good and conversation. I got to see it, so. And yes, Brother Ghoulish, so. Ryan, he, Ryan, he's just, he's a blast. He is so funny. I love him. He's so great. He's hysterical. Follow him on TikTok, guys. His TikToks are the funniest shit I've ever seen. It really um, is. I, rut- I routinely send them to Terry. Um, but listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch a film or read a book that we talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things we should cover? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to- directly to us on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to keep the conversation going. That's the wrong line. I don't know why I'm reading that. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast at Scarred Podcast. <laughs> Jesus. And please-, <laughs> and please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And remember that Mary Beth is giving out found footage recommendations if you leave us a review on iTunes. So go do that. It takes like two seconds. So why aren't you doing that? Do D-H. it. Do it. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time, where's the stop button? Brain. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.